So, how are you? No, really. Hello and a warm welcome to the Men on Mental Health podcast. My name is Jamie Morgan and through this podcast I speak to men from varying backgrounds about their experiences with mental health. The times when they were low, how that affected them, how they got through it, where they are today and how those experiences have shaped them, and discuss the importance of talking. According to recent statistics, around one in eight men has a common mental health problem, such as anxiety, depression, a panic disorder or OCD. Men are less likely to access psychological therapies to combat this, with only 36% of referrals to NHS talking therapies being men. We also know that nearly three quarters of adults who go missing are men. 87% of rough sleepers are men, and men are three times as likely as women to become dependent on alcohol and three times as likely to report frequent drug use. Men report having lower levels of life satisfaction than women, and three times as many men as women die by suicide, with suicide being the single biggest killer of men under 45. On average, 12 men in Britain take their lives every single day. This podcast hopes to encourage more men to talk, to start opening up about their mental health, have these types of conversations with friends and family, generate better understanding and awareness around the subject, as well as empowering men to speak and seek help when they need it. In this episode, I speak to one of my closest friends and fellow actor, Sean McCourt, about his experiences with anxiety and depression, and how our job as actors has affected our mental health. We touch on counselling and medication, and reference a particular difficult time in Sean's health that saw him emerge from one of the darkest places of his life to where he currently is today. Here we go. This week's episode with Sean McCourt. All right, here we go. Let's do this. I am here with actor, singer, producer, extraordinaire, Sean McCourt. Uh, what an introduction. <laughs> and good friend, I should say. You should That should be yes. on the list. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. You're an absolute legend. No, thank you for having me. It's all right. Nobody else wanted to come on. So. <laughs> <laughs> Clutching at straws, I am. You, you were at the bottom of the list. <laughs> you were the only person on the list. <laughs> I guess this is kind of like the actor episode, I suppose, because we are both actors. A lot of the stuff we'll talk about will probably relate to our work. But first off, how are you? You are one of the busiest people I know, and you've got a billion things going on. How are you at the moment with everything, pandemic and life and (laughs) all that stuff? Do you know what? It's funny. People do say that. They say that you're kind of one of the busiest people in, in, in the lockdown, in the pandemic. And I don't I don't always see it that way myself. Um, but yeah, I suppose the last few weeks have been a really busy time. And and I think the interesting thing is that, you know, we've all had sort of 12 months of really not doing a lot. And then it suddenly happening at one time is quite a lot to to take in, you know because we're not used to that busyness in our routines and and actually the even the concept of work you know over the past 12 months is just it's been sort of redundant you know it's probably the horrible word to use in this situation but it has you know we haven't we haven't had the opportunity to work certainly within the, the industry that that we're trained to work in and now it's all happening in one go and and as you know as your lovely introduction said it's kind of putting on different hats and of, of actor and 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 you know, trying to make sure that I'm in in that game uh, when things come back, when they eventually open, but also producing and making sure that those projects are going to, you know, come to fruition. And getting the green light on things at the moment is probably the biggest stress of all. But yeah, I'm doing well. I'm 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 glad to be back in some capacity and and being busy. 
we had a conversation uh, this year, didn't we? We sat down and we had a, a real big conversation that was kind of linked to mental health. We hadn't spoken about that uh, before. And I suppose that was off the back of uh, a particularly uh, rough year that I, I had had. Um, yeah. And that led to conversations uh, with us, speaking to somebody that I knew had had uh, mental health issues uh, and had and gone through that process. I felt that you were a very approachable person. Um, and I guess that's important, isn't it, to know that you have friends that you were able to do that uh, mm-hmm. with. And you, you were one of those people for me. Uh, and that conversation was incredibly valuable, I think, for both of us. We both learnt uh, a lot about one another. And it's so nice that we're able to now kind of sit down and, and have this conversation officially through through the podcast. Um, just for the people listening, when I sort of reference uh, mental health uh, for you, Sean, and kind of what I suppose you managed on a daily basis, what is it for you that um, I'm kind of referencing, just so people have an idea? Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose for me, it was, it was a few years ago that I, I probably realized that for my whole life, I've, um, suffered with certainly with anxiety and also depression, but that, I think that was something that developed for me from the anxiety. I don't think it's something that I've, I've not always felt depressed or felt I'm suffering with depression from an early age it's not been that but I do look back on my life now and realize that from an early age I very much suffered from anxiety yeah no definitely and I think that's a similar uh for, for myself um and anxiety is, is something that I've kind of suffered with for for many years um but is certainly well managed now but um there was a period of time where where we were both working on on the same job, wasn't there? Uh, yeah. This is how we met, actually, uh, on Warhorse, uh, the mm-hmm. play. And um, little did we know that both of us were seeing the same counsellor at the National Theatre at the same time. Um, or I think maybe we did, on reflection, maybe we did both know, but we never kind of really spoke about it or wanted to. Yeah, I do think maybe it was sort of one of those slightly unspoken things. And um, But yeah, we would have been seeing her at the same time yeah yeah and how was that process for you I know there were you know that was a particularly difficult time for you that 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 job in particular as wonderful as it was it was incredibly uh mentally and physically uh challenging and exhausting um and there were certain factors within that show that um you know you had had a rough time um but how was it sitting down with somebody during that time and talking about those uh problems that you were facing because you had never and I had never done that before. How was that process for you? I think, I mean, it was incredibly alien as a, a, a the feeling of it because it wasn't it wasn't even just that I hadn't sort of sat, sat down with someone in a in a professional capacity, let's say, in that sense. But it was that I didn't necessarily sit down and talk to my friends, my family in that way, and, and be so open about how I was feeling. It just, I suppose I've been someone that, that my closest friends and family have always just, sort of seen me as being someone that's quite anxious and that I've, I've been a, I've been a warrior from such an early age right back to thinking you know thinking back to primary school and um I, my mum will always she'll always talk about this story and I had my first spelling test at primary school don't know what age I would have been but very young and hadn't got 10 out of 10 
and it was as if the world had ended. Like my reaction to a, it was that as is if. such a Sean thing. But exactly, you can now you can now imagine little Sean in the classroom, like seeing eight out of ten on the sheet of paper, not quite understanding what that means and what I've done wrong, and yeah. how it's. And then you know, I'm you know, I've only got myself to blame type feeling. And she was like, my mom had to be called into the school, and they had to explain to her, you know, he doesn't always need to get ten out of ten. He doesn't need to get one hundred percent. He doesn't need to be perfect. And I think that that's something I've carried through my whole life. Mm. And in some ways, it's the most dangerous industry to be in when you have that sort of mindset. And I suppose that was, was important when I sat down with the counsellor and that this all came out. You know, we went right back to those times. And I, because when someone says to you, why do you, feel, why do you think you feel this way? What is it that triggers this anxiety when something's not quite right? And you know, I guess as a show, Warhorse is quite organic in the sense that you're never really, not that you do in any show, but I think particularly when you're carrying a 10 stone puppet around, you're never going to quite get the same show all the time. And there was a lot of discussion in the show where of this, you know, you have to remember that for the people that are listening, we, we're talking about being the horse, Joey, and, and there's three puppeteers making this puppet come to life. And it meant that you didn't just have to worry about yourself. You had to worry about two other people and how that was feeling for them. And if they felt something was slightly different or if you, it, 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 and sometimes you cause them pain in the show. And that's a big responsibility in something like that, where you're playing in this big West End production. And I think for me, it was just, it was really the same things were creeping back in that I was having to discuss and, you know, some, it's hard for me sometimes when, when someone is telling me something that it's almost as if it's a fault of mine and there's nothing I can do about it. Mm. And so, sorry, just to go back to, to the counselor, I think that all was coming out. And for me, that was really useful to try and figure things out for someone to actually ask the questions that weren't just, so how are you today? Because you can ask that. And I am, the expert at covering up and making sure that people think that I'm okay. Yeah. But when you sit down with someone for an hour and they really start to get into the nitty gritty and they allow your answers to, um, to fuel their questions and to, to, to find, to make you understand that journey, I think is really important, but that's not to say that I still don't have my sort of reservations with it. I don't think I ever got to, the, I don't at the moment, you know, touch wood. I don't, I don't actually need it. I don't feel I need it right now, but I, I don't, I think perhaps I should have co continued with the counseling longer than I did. Um, instead of bringing the responsibility right back onto me and thinking, right, Sean, what do you have to do in order to make yourself better? Um, and it's not, a, and I say that in that way, because it's not about being better. It's just about learning to live with with the way that your brain works for you sean what what are the what are the hardest things about our industry what are the most triggering things what are the things that you find the most difficult i think the um i think the uncertainty of our our industry is what i think is what troubles people the most and what they probably worry about i mean it's precarious at the best of times let alone now it, it's a difficult industry where you don't quite know where the next paycheck is going to come from all the time. And you've all, you've, you're always thinking about, okay, well, what if this, what if I don't land this job? What, what can I do that's going to make sure that I pay the bills? And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming up to 35 now and it's not just that I know, and it's not just about that. It's not just about paying the bills. It's about 
feeling like an adult. And that's something in this industry that I've always struggled with because there's almost this weird separation in an us and them sort of way where I have friends that are doing other incredible jobs that have nothing to do with this industry. And, and I, and I don't, I don't, and I say that I don't mean normal jobs because that's not how I see it. I just, it's just different. They're in working in different industries where they've got a mortgage and they, they're having children and they're, they're getting married and yeah. they're doing all of those things that we see as being an adult. Yeah. And sometimes I think that this industry stifles those parts of your life and you feel that you can't commit to them. I mean, as actors, we can't bloody commit to a holiday, let alone, <laughs> do you know, sometimes you get. No, the, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Life. And, and I think that that, that can really stress me out. I'm sure the other actors that are listening will feel the same. And it does, it, it can be really suffocating as an industry because you don't, there's sometimes no option, but to constantly be thinking about it. And it's you know it's it's competitive and yeah you know just just this morning actually i was talking about the kind of the idea of of media and social media within our industry and what what effect that can have and i think now for me that is one of the biggest stresses of it all is that you're seeing especially now because every theater is now emerging from from the darkness isn't it and we're seeing different cast announcements every day and we're surrounded by these things where you think you know, even if it's something you're not right for, why do I not have that acclaim and that attention? And there's always, you're always, I mean, it's not the only industry where this is the case, but you're always striving for the next thing. And yeah. I think that, I guess it's a hard business to enjoy the now. And yeah. I, well, I hope what the last year has done and it'll, you know, time will tell. I hope the last year has um, sort of reprioritized things for people a little bit. And it was in, interesting, wasn't it? At the start when people... I think as actors, you put a lot of your personality and a lot of who you are onto your job. And when we're not in work, we're constantly waiting for that job to validate ourselves again and go, oh, it's okay, I'm, I'm an actor again. Well, you're yeah. always an actor, but an actor is just one part of you. It can't be everything. But I think for a lot of us, and that was me for a period of time, that, that was everything. That was your drive. That was your purpose. But when that's taken away from you, you really have to kind of reevaluate all the other parts of you as well and the things that do take a backseat like you know relationships and holidays and family and mm-hmm. friends all that kind of stuff those are equally as important as as the career stuff that that's across all boards you know when i've had calls in the past from not my current agent who is amazing i'm sure he will listen to this but you know agents in the past where i've there was one where I was going on holiday and I hadn't had a holiday in like a year and a half because luckily I've been working. And, you know, for those that are out there that don't necessarily aren't involved in this industry, that very much means that I'm making money and my agent is making money when I'm working. It's not just me. And I was at the airport ready to go. I just arrived and had a call about a commercial audition. And I said, well, no, I've, you've got my dates. I'm, I'm, I'm away. I was going to Greece um with my mom I was taking my mom on holiday and I got the call to say we we want you to come in for this commercial audition can you change your holiday can you change your flight I said I'm there like I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna change my flight to tomorrow or whatever it would have been and I think that, that there has to be an understanding across the board of things like that and they have there has to be a respect but the thing going back to your question about what it is I struggle most with I suppose is is the element of um power or lack of because mm. as an actor in the chain of things we're you're, pretty far down we are just because 
it, it, not because I think that people are more important, but I just think that it's because people people within different uh, parts of our industry make the decisions and have the power to do so. So we're going into an audition room and it's up to those people if we, if they think we're good enough to get a recall to then get, a, to then get the job. Yeah. When we're in a room doing a show, it's up to the director to tell us what they want and what their vision is of the show. Now, as the actors, we're also creative in that process where we're giving ideas, but ultimately somebody is telling you what to do unless you are Judy Dench or the likes of where you, where they perhaps they hand over more of the responsibility to you and you, you bring it to the table, but certainly jobs that I've done, that's not the case in my, in my, in the stages of my career. And then it's even still, if you're in a job, if you're in a long running job, the constant worry is, well, I really want to stay on for another contract, but do they, do they like me enough to keep me on again? Somebody else's decision. I think a lot of us find it hard to step away from the industry. And I'm sure we'll come on to it in a bit where I did actually do that in terms yes. of stepping away from acting for sort of two and a half years. And um, you, you can't help, but, but crave that feeling. Yeah. And that, and because it is, it is the best feeling, like, because you do throw absolutely everything into it. And this, this really relates to your mental health in the sense that you'll start it and you might be signed up for 14 months and six months in, you're thinking, what am I going to do next? W- w- the pressure is on for me to land another job. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We're, it's often so little about ourselves and more about the people that surround us and whether that is making sure your agent is happy because you're landing another job, making sure that your family are happy when you go back for, you know, the niece's birthday and everyone is talking about it and what you're doing and, and are you going to be any standards? Yeah. It's just the, it's the, it's the, it's just the constant pressure. I mean, I'm going to, so I've gone around the houses to that, to that answer, but it's the pressure of our business that is ultimately what is the downfall for a lot of people. Yeah. Some, some may, excel in some ways with it there are lucky people that jump from job to job as well and they're incredibly talented and not taking that away from them but those but those in between moments are can be quite difficult at the end of warhorse you decided to move into the world of casting and Mm. to take yourself out from being an actor first of all why did you do that um it's such a it's, it's strange because I sort of fell into it. I mean, I, I had a job after Warhorse. I did a sort of a 10-month contract in the railroad children, but that was lined up sort of not, it was it was maybe sort of three quarters up through our contract, wasn't it, in Warhorse. I, I, so I knew I had that job and I'd said yes to it. But I, at the time, I just was not feeling satisfied with the industry and wondering whether, or this certainly the, the, the avenue that I was moving in, in that industry. And wondered if there was maybe something else I could try, but I I did just fall into it. There was a there was a sort of an a, I was asked to read in for auditions, you know, to help. To, so it wasn't something that I was auditioning for. I was just reading against the people that were auditioning for it, and found myself on the other side of the table in the room and started to. And I'd, I'd always had an interest in it because I'd always had an interest in the casting process. I did just have that sort of knowledge. Um, and it wasn't, I didn't make a conscious effort to have it. It was just there. And that I had that part of my brain was very active. And, um, and so then I, I ended up getting offered an assistant position at Debbie O'Brien Casting and loved it. I had such a great time and was learning loads of things. And, um, and I then got an associate position there. And it you climbed felt, the ladder very, very quickly, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, but that was all thanks to Debbie and Harry and the way that they had take me under their wings and you know the knowledge that they were sharing with me and the people that they were allowing me to meet 
and so then I think I guess I got to a point where I thought okay well maybe actually this is my sort of calling this is what I've done my job as an actor um and this is where I should see if it if it fits for me and so I I continued there and then I was offered a job um in another office which I'm just not going to name the office, uh, but it was a very sure. big, it was a very big establishment. Yeah. And I took that job. Uh, and it was, you know, it was, I suppose like going back to being an adult, it was those things of like, Oh, I've got a salary now. Yeah. I, like I'll always have this money every single week is going to be the same, you know, or every month, sorry. Well, I can get a mortgage. I can, you know, do all of these things. And, and my other half's an actor. So he, I thought, oh, this is great because I can do this and it'll be really stable. Yeah. And he can he can have periods of time where he's out of work, not that he has many of them anyway. But it, you know, it's um and it it all seemed sort of ideal on paper. But the problem was that I got to a point, certainly working with Debbie and Harry, where I felt that I was missing something and there was just a bit of a void. And I, I think that, you know, reflecting on it now, I'd moved into the world of casting for the poten- potentially the wrong reasons. And that I'd said goodbye to acting at that time for the wrong reasons. And that was to do with sort of stability and to do wanting to take myself out of that competitive world where I didn't know if I was going to land a job. And suddenly I was in rooms where people really respected what I was doing. And, and actually, you know, hand on heart, I had some element of power because as soon as you yeah. start to work in that world and people take you seriously earned I earned that responsibility you know I worked really hard with them yeah and and learned the ropes but you did get to a position where suddenly you were the one that people you were appealing to people I, I do just think and it's I think what's great about where I am now in my life and where I am mentally is that I can reflect on those times and work out the reasons why I did what I did. And when I took that second job, when I moved on from Debbie's, it was one of the hardest times of my life um, in terms of the, like the mental battle that I was having and, and where I was just, I felt dreadful all the time, you know, and it got to a point where I was leaving work every day and just being in floods of tears before going yeah. home so that nobody knew that that was how I was feeling and, and, and dodging it with friends. I would dodge socialist like situations because I didn't want people to ask me about the job. I wanted it to seem as if that I was yeah. just incredibly happy. And- well, I think, I think I remember meeting yeah. up with you at that time um, for a, for a drink and you hadn't been there long and you certainly didn't let on even to to me and the people that we met up with who, you know, were you quite close to? Because I think, I think, because you had made such a dramatic move into that into that world and for the establishment that mm. you were working at was particularly well-renowned, I think there's probably a lot of expectation on you to to enjoy that job and, and enjoy that position, yeah. you know, wrongly so, people putting that onto you. But I think because you, you were, you know, we perceived you to be incredibly happy and and sort of, you know, mm. we were putting you on this pedestal of this fantastic job. And if if everybody else is experiencing that for you and you're not experiencing that yourself... That yeah. must be, you know, torturous, really, because that's going on in your head. Then going, well, why aren't I? Why, why am I not enjoying it? That yeah. I should be enjoying it because everybody else is telling me I should be enjoying it. But that's the danger zone in this industry. You're constantly looking for that acclaim from other people, and and you're having this sort of inner turmoil about it all. And and there's only so long that you can persuade yourself that you should be happy in a job. 
I think it's important as well, though, just to sort of stress that because it would be easy for me to say it caused my it caused the um, the trigger in my mental health at the time. Of course, it was there. That's something that's that's already the way that my brain works. And and the, the, the sometimes the difficulty that I have in dealing with things. But it, it is a trigger in the sense that it did heighten it. And when you and I felt very trapped. That's that's the best way to describe how I felt at the time, trapped in a corner. And it felt that I had got myself into this position where everyone thought it was amazing and and I and I was keeping everybody happy apart from myself. And that was I mean, that was the downfall, wasn't it? I think like feeling that way every day can really kind of grind grind you down and i just i think i i think it was the realization that i'd reached the lowest point i'd ever i'd ever reached um and, and you know and that's even now that's still something that's quite painful to to think about yeah and it's um i don't, I don't know there was just a day i went into work and i i sat there at my desk in the morning had so much to do that day and i just there was nothing there was not one point on that list that I could focus on mm. and um and I just thought you know as I'm sure a lot of people do that I just thought I, this can't continue and and because I knew that if it continued that the only way was was down it yeah. was never going to improve there at that point because I'd already made those decisions and and I, you know I'd the positive of it is that I'd realized that I missed acting like that, that was the positive of it. The, the thing that I'd, the void that I'd been feeling was just a shit. I've made the wrong decision here now. I, and, and I don't ever want to be someone that has regrets because I learned such a huge amount in those two and a half years of my life. And regardless of the struggles that I had, it was a time that allowed me to see what it was that I wanted. And perhaps I just needed that space away from being an actor and being in that side of the industry to, to you know, because sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm. And it, it, it made me remember what I loved about that part of the world. And I think as well, it was a, it was partially me thinking, I just need to be a bit, I need to be in control a bit of my destiny now and what I'm going to do. And it feels like it's being written for me at the moment. One of the routes out of that was uh, medication for you. And then how did that improve your situation? I started with the counselling and, and I had, I did have a couple of sessions just before I left the job and left the world of casting, um, which were really helpful. But I knew that I needed something quite drastic to happen in order for me to avoid any sort of um dangerous situations sure. at the time and and so i i went to a doctor and it was really the first thing that they offered it was and and i'm and i'm incredibly trusting of of our doctors and our nhs and and what they tell me and yeah and and also it's something that i knew that if i didn't feel comfortable with along the line then i you would could stop. stop yeah <laughs> which is it's you know and i wanted to at least try what they'd suggested and for me, it was about sort of finding like an even keel, like finding a place like a sort of a plateau in my life rather than yeah. it being extreme. Sure. And that and that's what that did. And it was it was really difficult to adjust to because for me personally, what it did was it, it did cut out highs and lows, which meant that, you know, I, 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 I think I'm quite an emotional person. 
whether that be happy or sad or anxious or whatever it is. And it was starting to cut all of those things out. So things like watching a program, like, or watching theater, I can get quite emotional at. And um, where have my I, tears gone? <laughs> yeah, exact, that exact feeling of this, this is weird. Like this should be, re- this should normally get me, but it wouldn't. And then, but the same, in the same way that you didn't feel particularly elated by anything, it wasn't, you know, hmm. and um. And that for me took a, like a, li- a little while. And I took medication for just over 12 months in right. total. Um, and well, I guess it took you out of a dangerous place. Yeah. I suppose it pulls you back into a, a maybe a place where you're a little bit Tin Man-like. Yeah, but, but it's um, safer. But it's it was safer. safer. It was safer. Yeah. And like you say, it was temporary. It was temporary. Yeah. Um, and what changes did you notice coming out of the other end of that? Um. <sighs> Well, I suppose for me, it was just, it was a feeling of, of my old sort of self coming back and, yes. um, is, you know, feel the, the ability to feel emotions because certainly for me, and I think what everyone does is they kind of wean themselves off them. That's what you're meant to do. It's a, and, um, rather than just stop, like just yeah. stop taking them because that, that your body won't quite know what's happened. And, sure. um, and so I did that. So it was, it was very gradual. So in a way it, it almost masks that the um that sort of return to i don't want so to say gradual not yeah it, it was a it was a gradual process you, you don't you're not as aware of it you're not conscious of the fact yeah you're, you're not taking these anymore um but i definitely felt more leveled but what i would say as well is that it's not you can't solely rely on them doing that job for you it's not, it's, there's, there's other things and people will often do that as well as have therapy. And I wasn't that person because actually what I found was that when I hit rock bottom and I started to take them was when I then started to open up more to my friends like yourself yes. yeah. Um, yeah. and, and say, look, this is how I felt because there was no, there was no way around it. I was leaving this job that everyone thought, oh my goodness, what's happened. Um, and so you had to start to talk. And for me, that journey of talking to people and explaining how I felt and you know it only really my nearest and dearest it's not I, do, I don't talk to he says on the podcast about it but, but you know what I mean I'm, I'm at a point now where but I, we're reflecting now aren't we you know? yeah I was approached not long after um leaving that job about doing a similar podcast and just was not in the headspace but actually now that I sort of feel that like I'm coming through the other side yeah. or have come through the other side it, it doesn't feel as such as a big a big ask it's really nice isn't it being able to have these kind of conversations looking back at periods of time because when you're in those periods of time it can feel like the darkest and worst place mm-hmm. in the world and like there is no way out of it sometimes but it's yeah. so nice having this conversation where we're both in really good places to be able mm. to look back on that and there'll be people listening right now that are perhaps in that really difficult place and both of us know what it's like when you're in that and you feel like you know maybe there's no way out of it but we're both yeah. having this conversation and you know mm. we're both two people that would never have ever had this conversation about mental health I wouldn't have had it with anybody um but here we are on a bloody podcast yeah <laughs> and I think that you have to like you have to you know, for those that are listening that are, that are maybe feeling that way is that you have to give yourself the time. You have to give yourself the time where you're kind of, I went away for two months. Sometimes you have, you have to take those steps and, and it's about that thing of going, do you know what this industry for this, for this period of time in my life, this injury is, is not, is not ruling it. It's not making decisions. It's, it has to be about me. And that's not, that's any business. I know it's not easy to step away from a job. Like when you have a mortgage, you have kids, you, but 
there does have to get to a point where you do have to focus on yourself. And, um, you know, it's, I, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying this, but like my mom has just been in a similar position in a, in a highly stressful job. And just yesterday handed in a notice for said job because she just was, it was just at a point where she thought, I don't want to do this anymore. Like the, what this is doing to me is, is too much. And, and I'm so proud of her for making that decision and, and, and thinking about herself eventually because it's sort of been going on for a long, long time. But, um, and I'm, that's not me like standing, like sitting here going, everyone leave your job if you're stressed. The last year as well, I think it, it should, it's taught us a lot. And if it's taught us anything, it should be that sometimes life's too short and you just don't know what's around the corner and the, the the horrendous situations that families will have found themselves in where they've not been able to say goodbye to loved ones and and not you know not being able to do the things they wanted to do and this has this has just taken their life away and and whether that is you know actually as in it has taken their life in in that literal sense or whether it's 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 just sort of decimated their work and they find that they've not got money and and i do i do think that people will come out of this feeling reflective on what what is important to them and for all of the the devastation that is caused that that you have to you have to find the positives in there somewhere it made me realize that this i suppose this was when i really sort of championed the idea of wearing more than one hat and i'd already been doing live lounge before this point but in terms of producing and when I, I don't like calling myself a producer because I, I though I am and I, it, these events would not happen unless I made them happen. It, it, it's not that I'm, I don't think I'm the next Cameron Macintosh. I, I mean, other people may, but I don't think I am. And I don't think I want to be, I don't want to be someone who's going to be producing big, long runs of shows. It's just that these are, everything I do is like concert event style things. And when I left that job and started to act again, I thought, why can't I be doing these alongside each Absolutely, other? Absolutely, yeah. You know, why can't I be? And it's, um, you know, Live Lounge is a separate entity because I, it's not a profitable business. It's, it's, as you said, it's charitable. But anything else that I do has to be for profit because I put a lot of work and a lot of time into it. Yeah. And so I'm putting fest, I mean, you know, I've, a festival has just been announced for August that I'm producing and it, that's really exciting. And for me, that's also, that's me being in control of something. That's yeah. me saying in order for me to make money i need to make this a success what i don't need is somebody else giving me the opportunity to make the money and what's good about all of the things that you're doing is that they are fueled by your passions it's not like you're just picking something for for the acclaim or you're picking it for, mm. you know you're you're doing it because it's connected to things that you are passionate about yeah and also that's that i think that that's so true of you and obviously this is conversations that we've had off off air but it's you know you've got to a point where you think I love this I do love this industry and what it has to offer but what's wrong with me carving my own route through it and finding the things that I feel creatively fulfilled in whether they're the whether they are the best financially or not they could ultimately be you know if you're you know you've started writing and and I suppose it's a similar parallel there that you, you're choosing your writing as a way of a of an your sort of creative outlet and I'm using the producing as mine because it's as you say it's something that I'm passionate about it's not everything that I do is very much sort of solo based bringing people to the stage that maybe are established but also bringing like new talent that hasn't been seen enough and that I think needs to be heard mm. and that the, you know representation within our industry is important and and allowing that 
to happen and allowing those opportunities for people. And for me, that's such a fulfilling thing to do. I'm not up there on the stage. I've, I, I don't ever produce something that involves me. It's a different skill for me. And I think the more skills you can have, the better, because one day I won't want to act anymore. You know, one day I will actually make the final decision and go, goodness, I can't go into another <laughs> audition room. For, I'm sure for a long time, and there's, I've got a bucket list of shows and projects and venues, as we all do, where I'd like to work. But I do think that having that thing that you can focus on is great. You know, it's not at the moment, say, if I get a self-tape through, I do it. Or hopefully as we start to go back to a time where I'm going to be in the room for auditions, I do it. But I've got a hundred other things to think about when I get home. And it's important to work hard for, you know, as you have to put your all into auditions in terms of being prepared. But I've also worked on the other side where you see the most prepared people come in. And sometimes the person come in, let's just say it's music related. Someone comes in and they've got the best voice of the day, but there's other elements to that, which mean they don't get the gig. They don't get yeah. the job. So there's no matter, you can put the, the, pressure of the world in your shoulders and it's just it might not be that you fit what those creative people see and what they envision the project to look like mm. so then you've you've put hours of stress and sleepless nights in yourself when actually it was it just was never going to go your way yeah. and um, you know you know you you've come to that realization and as did I through kind of turmoil i suppose and reaching uh, reaching particularly low points you know it'd be nice if people didn't have to reach that point to have you know these kind of revelations and make changes in your life but sometimes if people are in a particularly dark and low place sometimes that is you know that is a really good starting point to build yourself back up from and, and yeah. learn from those experiences yeah i mean i think like the dark you've got to remember that there are dark times for everyone and the times where people feel down and i can imagine that at the moment a lot of actors are feeling this way because they're seeing cast announcements and wondering when is it going to be my turn. But similarly, it turns on the dime where they can, you can have just something could be around the corner. And I know that's cliche, but it's so true. You know, I left, I left um, the world of casting and went back to acting and it was only a matter of a couple of months. And I landed blood brothers, which has been one of the best jobs I've ever done. Mm. And with the most amazing people that I couldn't have wished for a better company to go into with the journey that I just had. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and for me, it was a real moment of, ah, oh, I've done the right thing, you know? And, and yeah. when people, when I talk about it, it, it's always that thing of me saying I've stood in the wings waiting to go on in that first show tears rolling down my face but like tears of absolute joy and knowing fine and you know that feeling of as cheesy as it sounds but if it's that feeling of oh, I've just I've done the right thing like I yeah. feel really content in what I've done and that's not to say that you know in three months time when this industry is back and I'm gonna have the same thing but it's about you have to learn the you have to you have to train your brain to an extent and you have to learn the ways that you um navigate this industry and, and yeah. the, the sort of obstacles that it throws at you and for me that is keeping myself busy with other things and not allowing someone to tell me that I can't do something just because I'm an actor and that you know when people say but what what are you yeah. well I'm, I'm Sean um and I am yes, yes and I'm sure. you know and I'm hustling like everybody else and I'm and, and and the way that I'm doing it right now is making me happy so if you've got something to say about it say it to somebody else I love that. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic, Sean. Um, just as we kind of wrap up, 
as somebody that is conscious of their mental health and just mm-hmm. staying on top of it and being aware of it, um, anything that you think is a part of your daily routine now or anything that you think particularly helps you um, just to manage it daily? And I, I, th- I guess, actually, this is a point I want to make, is that um, sometimes when things are going really well and are really right is the times where I take my eye off the ball sometimes and you tend to... I think it's quite dangerous when things are going well because sometimes you let things slip and it's a gradual decline. And you, and then sometimes I notice, oh, this is a bit of a slippery slope here. I need to stop doing these things again. And if I start doing them or I start removing things, I go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm <laughs> topping myself up back up now. I need yeah, to do yeah. those things. Is there anything like that for you? I mean, it's... <laughs> I know there's a lot of things out there, sort of mindfulness and, and meditation and yoga, which which a lot of people that that in order to um, control what their mental health is doing will use. I'm I'm not so much that person. I I exercise, um, and I I exercise most days, whether that's like doing a hit in the front room or I you know luckily now we can go back to the gym and I love to swim. I do think that exercise is really important. And I do, for me personally, it can be a bit, sometimes I get up in the morning and I don't want to do it. Like I don't, and I, you know, as we all do. And I, and I hear Joe Wick's voice and think, nah, um, but it's, it's just, I, I force myself and I do feel better for afterwards. I think for me as well, and I have to allow myself the down days because sometimes if you force it too much, it just it, it there's no point it's almost it, it's almost to your detriment for me sometimes it could be quite definite I can wake up in the morning and I can feel that it's that sort of day and that doesn't mean that it lasts all day it just means that I need to and sometimes I just need to have the time on my own to just go right I just need two hours where I'm not really speaking to anyone but for me personally it's a dangerous game if I allow that to go all day because if I don't speak to anyone all day and then I see like if I see my partner Glenn in the evening I'm I'm in the place where I don't want to talk and I'm you know and I'm I'm quite solitary but I just think it's it's so it's such an individual thing isn't it because we all have the things that make us feel better um and I and I you know I am in a place now where I tend to not I wouldn't reach out to a friend and say I'm having a down day can I just talk but I'll just reach out to a friend to talk because it will make me feel better I'll go for a coffee I'll go for a drink with a friend um but I don't think that I have sort of a, I don't have a routine necessarily. I just think that there's things that I, and you know, I think it's really important for me particularly to switch off from work when I feel that I need to switch off from work. You know, I hit about six o'clock last night and with the festival, there was suddenly all of these problems that, and I had to like just turn that inbox off and just think, right, whatever it is, I'm going to have to deal with it tomorrow because I was always juggling contracts for something else. And then it hit, it hit eight o'clock and or like half eight and I turn my phone off like I, I just said right whatever happens I'm, my phone is going off now so nothing um and it's you know like I, I live with Glenn so if my parents had any problem and needed to get me they'd just go through Glenn so I can have my phone off and it's not it's not a massive deal but I do think you have to allow yourself those times and do whatever it is I mean if it is exercise do it if it's to go and buy yourself food from the, the nicest restaurant or buy yourself an ice cream or whatever. the simplest thing I love that pick and mix shop and it's gone now and I'm devastated you have to find those small things and you have to find the the, the positives and the joys and that, that can some people might be listening thinking oh yeah that's easier said than done but we all have them this we all have some things in our life that we can focus on as positives yeah. it's gratitude for the things that we have and 
And that's not me saying sit there and compare yourself to people that have less because I don't want you, you can't always do that. It's such a, it's subjective and you have to, you're in your own, you're on your own path and you're in your own world. And we don't have the, you know, we're incredibly lucky that we don't have the troubles that people in other countries might have. Um, But I do think that you have to find, sometimes it takes a lot of soul searching and you have to find those positives, but they are there. And, and I do, and I'm such a believer in that if, if, you know, if, if, if it's making you so unhappy, then there has to be, there needs to be a change that you can't, um, you have to, and you have to be in control of that and you have to make those decisions. And it, it might seem really scary. It did seem really scary for me. And you have to make them for yourself, not for other people. Yeah, absolutely. One of the messages that I'm going to kind of uh, sort of, will probably be reoccurring through each episode is that um, I just do want to encourage people to to talk. And that might be uh, via friends, family, or um, or to a GP or a, a counsellor. But I think, you know, that is the start of, of every kind of, journey through wherever you were at to the to the place hopefully you end up that um is is talking and that the just to kind of voice that there are people out there that do want to to hear what is going on with you if anybody feels like they can't or that there isn't somebody that just want to assure people that there, there is it's it's just you know it's just lovely now that we can have this conversation in such an open way and that i know that if ever you needed anything that you know you know i'm always there for you and and, and vice versa and um and that's and the, the thing is as well is that you, you know you don't you often you you tentatively approach a friend to talk about it and you often find that they'll go me too like i feel that too and you know it might be, not be on the same level but we all feel that and you're not on your own and i think you're right that the start of it has to be that you're talking it's about it you know it's um similarly if you had an addiction to alcohol or to drugs and if you go to a meeting and the first sort of hurdle is you know admitting it and in this sense I'd probably go my name is Sean and I am an anxiety addict you know because that's kind of what it is that that's that's my 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 brain's weird addiction is it that's its go-to um yeah and that's the way that it processes and by admitting that and talking about it it has allowed me to sort of be where I am now sitting here talking to you quite openly about it and quite comfortably mm-hmm. absolutely Sean uh, I've just loved this conversation thank you so much for, for doing this Sean and uh, I'm incredibly proud of you and um, yeah you know you know I'm always always here for you but thank you Sean it's been an absolute pleasure well there we go I'm so grateful to Sean I just loved hearing him talk so openly which has been a real journey for both of us to be able to get to that point. Um, and it's certainly one that has only strengthened our friendship. I hope you can take something away from this episode. And of course, if you do need to talk, there are people ready to listen. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe and leave a review. And if you think it could be of a benefit to anyone that you know, why not share it with them and generate some conversation of your own? Thank you again for listening. And I look forward to sharing another episode with you very soon. <laughs> Until then, thank you and goodbye.